Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet this week. We've got Katie Flower in the co-host chair. We're going to be discussing just the two of us. I am Chad Parsons, and we've got plenty of pro days going on. It's a really weird year that we don't have the NFL Combine, but uh, it is making for an entire interest month because... We, we're basically getting something every every day of the week uh, of some data point about a player or a pro day uh, that's going on. And it even sleeps into April. Uh, this is the official podcast of UTHSciency.com. We're going to be talking about Rondell Moore, a little bit of Devonta Smith, as well as some of the notable NFL free agency signings, acquisitions, and uh, retainments over the past week. Do re- want to remind you, if you enjoy this show, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, always helps uh, on all of your podcasting platforms. And want to check out the premium shows. Uh, back um, about a month ago, Evergreen Dynasty Trading Strategy Session Series. Uh, it was about eight, eight shows, I believe, and each one 20 to 40 minutes going over a singular type of environment for dynasty trading and it's going to be like i said an evergreen series and just one example in uh as well as things like war room interrogation room shows going in depth for startup drafts rookie drafts uh, the content that you're going to get late april early may uh for coverage of your drafts we do things like mock drafts we actually do for probably for another one of those as we go here in the second half uh of uh, march uh, between some of the UTH folks. So so look for things like that over at UTHDynasty.com. And Katie, we got Rondell Moore recently, uh, one of our guys, one of those big metric prospects, top 1% of the model. Rondell Moore, a lot of the hand-wringing, not about his sizzling workout. Uh, that was assumed, and I would say he met, if not exceeded, a little bit of his expectations. Uh, he got just a shade into those four twos, uh, really rarefied air there, especially for a guy that's productive as he was at 18 years old there at Purdue. But a lot of the hand wringing is about five foot seven. So five foot seven is a rare height, uh, but yet he is uh, thick enough. His BMI ended up being about 28. But five foot seven is not something you commonly see with the elite wide receiver. So what was some of your reaction there for maybe where he sits for rookie drafts and him as a player now that we have some notable uh, marks for him? Doesn't change a thing for me. Uh, Tyree Kill is five eight. Last I checked, Rondell Moore doesn't play quarterback. If he was playing quarterback, I would be more concerned. You don't have to see over others when you're a wide receiver. And he's got a vertical leap of 42 and a half inches. Uh, Tyreek Hill has a vertical of 40. They're similar uh, builds, similar size. I think that Rondell Moore is stronger. They're, uh, you know, he checked in at 429. He's fast as heck, which we thought he would be. And he's strong. He's strong as an ox. So I, you know, ideally 5'9 would have been better, but 5'7, I'm not, it doesn't change a thing for me. Yeah, I mean, again, when you move down into sort of the rare and maybe not in a great way, you know, obviously someone like Calvin Johnson is rare in a really good way, you know, that he's someone like 6'5 and 225, 230 plus pounds, you know, DK Metcalf. These are rare in a good way. Uh, Now, this is rare in a uncommon way. And I would say if Rondell Moore was like a 4'4'5 guy and, you know, his vertical was 35 and his three cone was 702, I mean, then you're saying, uh, you know, I mean, is he really rare enough in his movement, his strength to, to really stick is what I would say. And if anything, I think one of my biggest questions, and we're not going to really have rookie mocks and a lot of confirmation to the thing I'm going to say, but if you like Rondell Moore, if this really hasn't moved the needle negatively for you, then I think this creates an even bigger value uh, possibility because we're seeing NFL side of things mock drafts and we have uh, Benjamin Robinson coming on in a couple weeks from grinding the mocks. Rondell Moore was already outside of round one. His his expected draft position was about 38-40. It's not going up based on this. 
you know, I, I think, it, you know, I think I heard with uh, Daniel Jeremiah and, and a few other notables out there on podcasts this week saying that, you know, he's just not near round one, you know, that, that maybe he's going to be round two. So the more he slips and kind of quote unquote blends in with the wide receiver position, I think the better, because that means late first in a uh, one quarterback format, maybe even drifting to the mid second is a possibility. If he goes behind, if he's like wide receiver nine off the board, NFL wise, you get, you get a bunch of other positions off the board, you know, in, in the rookie draft as well. I think we're going to have an environment where it's going to be pretty easy to target Rondell Moore almost as much as you want. Like you're not going to have a limitation. You could be trading up to him, down to him. Uh, but, but as long as he is, uh, again, this profile is one that day two pedigree you would target anyway. So the fact that he's going to be, I think, drifting to round two and maybe even mid to late round two in Superflex is all the better for me. So this is just exciting where, I mean, we had done some mock drafts, I believe, Katie, where, you know, mid first, <laughs> mid first, 106, 107. And now if he's going a half a round later than that, all the better, I say. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts with the guys from Rookie Fever, and uh, he's been going in Superflex anywhere at the back end of the first, early second. And now Elijah Moore is starting to creep up and taking over his spot. I think he's going to fall even further, like you just said, somewhere to mid-second, maybe even a little bit later. I think Kadarius Tony could rise, which I do not agree with. And Elijah Moore, I think he at least has the production and uh, a better prospect, in my opinion, than Kadarius Tony, but not a better prospect than Rondell Moore. I'll take that discount all day. Yeah, I think, it, and it's 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 very applicable that you brought up Tyreek Hill. Um, I wrote up Rondell Moore in the past, I don't know, 48, 72 hours. And, and Tyreek Hill was the name I kept coming back to because you look at uh, historically short guys, and I, I went below 5'10", I believe, and the guy that I kept coming back to athletically that is is any sort of a peer is Tyreek Hill. And obviously Tyreek Hill faded in the draft to mid-day three. A lot of that was off the field. Um, but you see, you get him in the right system, and he is a defense scarer in the NFL. And I think Rondell Moore is going to do absolutely that. If he was coming into the league, you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago, different environment of how NFL defenses are allowed to play. The fact that you really can't check guys, I mean, I wrote on Twitter, he's going to be uncheckable. Rondell Moore, when you isolate him and you put him on the move and you do him on these jet sweeps and jet motions, and then he's coming out and running around and has a, you know, has a two-way go and these things. I mean, I don't, if you get him with a functional or better quarterback, I mean, uh, again, he's going to be a joystick. So I'm just really excited about watching him because he's one of those rare movement players where the phone booth, but also you give it's the, the classic give them an inch, they'll take a mile, you know, and, and he might take it all the way. And we know how Tyreek Hill scares defenses. And I, I don't use these terms and comps lightly. We just don't see guys with his all around athleticism. You mentioned he's a, he's also super strong. We are seeing things at 18, 19 years old of these, you know, doing squats and, you know, overall uh, components of, of the, of the workout room that is just, he weighs how much he's doing what he, he's just, he, he's just a different cat in terms of his work ethic and how he's been building his body for now three years out of high school. Um, so I just wanted to end with that, that I don't throw around these, these comps and these uh, possibilities for players lightly. And it's just, Oh, well, he's under five ten and he ran kind of fast. So let's just pull out Tyreek Hill. I've mentioned this before, and I, I feel like I should mention it again for our listeners here. The biggest question mark I have is he didn't run a route tree in college. He had a lot of jet sweeps and a lot of uh, gadget type, get him open, get that athleticism, get him, you know, yards after carry type or yards after catch type stuff, which he's very dynamic at. And I don't know that he's going to be asked to run a full route tree in the NFL either. But I think he could learn two or three routes and really have that be his bread and butter with the jet sweeps and that overall package uh, being such a deep threat uh, with the speed as well. Um, so another notable player um, out of the Alabama Pro Day uh, is Devonta Smith. So we got a little bit of his measurements there at the Senior Bowl. 
I didn't do anything there, um, but we at least got, you know, hand size, arm length, those types of things. So Devonta Smith says, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm not going to weigh in. I'm not going to do my measurements and uh, I'm not running the 40. Uh, you guys pretty much know what you, wh- what you know, you know, so let's do some interviews. Let's do some meet and greets and uh, we'll call it a day, you know, for my, my, my draft process pretty much. Um, he said offhanded after he was prompted a few times that he, he weighs about 170. And, uh, that's kind of, you know, 170, 175, 168. I mean, whatever number, but sort of that was the general range. I think a lot of people were expecting through this process. Well, whether it was confirmed and he uh, stood on a scale or not, uh, what are your thoughts on Smith, the prospect? And then also, I mean, does kind of psychologically, does him saying that may mean it's, you know, 170, but it's actually lower because you're not actually confirming anything. And does this really mean anything to you? Ever since Cooper Cup flat out lied to you about his speed, I don't trust what a player says, but I don't care. I really don't. I, I, I think he's probably telling most of the truth. 170 is what he looks to be. He's skinny, but that isn't, it, it's, it's not going to bother me. He's the best route runner in this class and he's cheap right now in mo- most mock drafts. He's wide receiver four, wide receiver five, wide receiver six off the board. Bateman is going to chase is one Bateman's been two pretty consistently. And Smith has been in the wide receiver four, wide receiver five range. And at that price, I'm in, but Weird. if he, I, I really I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't I, want to pay the wide receiver two price, but if, if he's there back into the first, which he has been in a lot of mock drafts and even into the second, I'll take that. I'll take that shot. That's weird. Like I always felt like I was below consensus, but I'm guess I'm right there. You know, if he's wide receiver four for me, you know, I and and for me, a big portion of that is the assumption that he's going to go top ten, top twelve. You know, right up there um, in the NFL draft. And he slipped a little bit. You know, we had a lot of mocks in two months ago that was you know him in the top three to five. And it seems like that's more fleeting. You got quarterbacks up there, Chase. Is, is kind of firmly ahead of him at this point in terms of the order you typically see. Maybe Jalen Waddell ends up going ahead of him, but no one, it, it's really that top three. And then everyone else is sort of back half of round one. Um, so it's weird kind of hearing you say that. I haven't been super plugged into mock drafts, uh, but yeah, I have a wide receiver four. I could see him in that four or five kind of slot. Any, you know, any lower, I can't really fathom at this point i don't know who would challenge them um, within that zone and because draft position you know well is a big driver i mean you can't you can only have we kind of had this conversation a year ago with henry ruggs right like even if you didn't like him he ended up going in the second round uh, of plenty of rookie drafts and you say at some point you got to take the draft capital of a good enough prospect and smith is a different prospect than henry ruggs uh ruggs was a little more boom bust and we saw more of the bus side in year one than boom. Uh, we'll see if he gets on the right track. Not a great start for him in year one. And uh, Devonta Smith is considered, I would actually classify him as more of a high floor, low ceiling guy um, in terms of how his metric profile looks a lot more production than the physical trait side of things uh, on paper. Yeah. The, the one thing that I can say definitively Devonta Smith over Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs was not a route runner anywhere near to the caliber Devonta Smith is. And he can get separation with just a couple of steps, his acceleration, deceleration, just so easy, so easy. I don't think he's going to have a problem with that translation to the NFL. Um, and also, uh, I think another notable thing, because one question we did have, I, I would say as a general global dynasty population is this and you know again i said this you know watching some games back in january and and kind of doing my first review of all those uh quarterbacks the 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 big five if you will and i actually did trask and a few others as well but but mac jones four six eight at his pro day four six eight from what i saw at 217 pounds you know almost 10 in chance and we we know about what he did uh, you know, in a little bit of a limited sample size there uh, in terms of number of career starts, but he pretty much did everything you can possibly ask as a passer. The four, six, eight is deceptive. You know, I don't even know if it's deceptive, but I mean, if he 
offers a little more rushing potential in the NFL to get out and make a scramble or two a game, like that is a relative big deal. Like, can you hang where I think maybe the assumption was he could be Eli Manning like and really provide almost nothing at the position? I mean, even what I always say at the quarterback position, providing Philip Rivers type nothing, but go, but if you go up to like 150 yards a year, 10 yards a game, something like that, that makes a big difference. I mean, that's a point a game, a point per game, uh, just by running a little bit, you know, a couple times on third down, can you get outside the pocket? And for, for Mac Jones running four, six, eight, uh, I mean, very, I mean, I have it like four, eight, five, four, nine, you know, really not going to provide all that much. So that was one of the promising things at the quarterback position to come out of pro day so far as well. Yeah. I'm not sure that he's going to rush all that much. I mean, he might escape the pocket uh, and that kind of stuff. My biggest question, and I'm starting to come around on him a little bit more, especially at his price tag right now in all the mocks that I'm doing super flex, he goes anywhere from 201 to 204, which that's in the Justin Herbert from last year range. That's in the uh, Josh Allen from the couple years ago range. And that's where you can get a, a steal. I think he's he his biggest knock is he doesn't have a great deep ball. And it, it's when he was at his pro day, he had to take that little extra hop step in order to launch it deep. You're not always going to be granted that much time or space to do that in the NFL. And a lot of times he would under throw his receivers at Alabama. They were just athletic enough to still make something happen from it. Uh, he left some meat on the bone as far as he could have gotten them a touchdown, an easy touchdown if he'd had a little bit more on the ball, but other quarterbacks, Andy Dalton has succeeded, you know, Kirk Cousins. There's a lot of guys that have done all right without having a super cannon. And he's accurate. He's smart. And I'm starting, like I said, I'm starting to come around, especially at his price tag right now. Yeah. And the exciting thing is you, you, you see this drumbeat and you see this momentum that, that more and more, it seems like he's going to be in that, you know, Patriots are sitting there, you know, in the mid teens. And it seems like, I mean, the 49ers are at 12. There's plenty, there's seven or eight teams in the top 15 that you could easily see going quarterback. And whether that's jostling for positions with, with trades um, or just not falling, I think that Mac Jones is going to end up being a top 16 draft pick and tier wise, that's important. And I think this year, especially with five quarterbacks, say in that top 16 of the draft, that creates arbitrage opportunities. Like you just said, I mean that yes, Trevor Lawrence is going to cost you one one And then you have the other three that are going to be sprinkled somewhere, probably in the top eight or so, or seven or six highly. But if Mac Jones is seeping to the, the early second round arbitrage wise, that's sort of like you have to pound that pedigree. Like you just said, with a Justin Herbert type, with a Josh Allen, where you just say a team took him that high that he's going to have a shot, a chip in a chair. And that tier from 102 in the NFL draft to 116, it's really flat. So basically, you know, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks at 19 overall, 22 overall. It's pretty much if you're going to go, you go early, whether it's a trade up or just a team taking you there. Otherwise, you might barely slip into round one. You get those trade-ins. You get 30 overall, 32. So there's kind of that middle middle range where typically uh, quarterbacks do not go. And I think Mac Jones is going to be ahead of that. So that's why with five quarterbacks, it's also in Superflex going to make it really viable to go. If, if you're not looking quarterback or you quote-unquote miss out, if you're there at nine or 12 or you know 16 overall, you're just going to get more talent pushed to you because we're very certain five quarterbacks are going to go. And sometimes we might only have three. So that's just extra players at the other positions that are going to slip just that little bit this year. And frankly, probably compensate for the lack of quality running back depth that we had, say, in last year's class. Yeah. And Daniel Jones is another example of somebody that first round pedigree, but slipped to that back end of the first, early second in most of the Superflex drafts. All right, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Katie, if you are a an owner of Deshaun Watson, if you are a potential or speculative buyer or making an offer for Deshaun Watson, what's your general take on is now the time 
to buy or sell? Should we be waiting? And, and what would be your thresholds of risk tolerance, as well as kind of, you know, trying to read what's going to happen? Have we bottomed out with the situation if you're going to buy? Is this the time or is every day sort of the, the best time over the next six months to potentially sell him? I would be a buyer and I don't advise selling. I think things are going to just like any other player that's got trouble. I don't, I don't see jail time as the end all uh, solution. Like with Darius Geis, that was a completely different situation. And I knew right then he was done in the NFL. Might as well drop him at that point. But with Deshaun Watson, uh, he's even though he's not the face of the Houston franchise anymore because they don't, you know, he doesn't want to stay there. He's still a face in the NFL, and the NFL does not want to lose that. And I don't think he'll do anything more than six, eight game suspension, maybe a year tops. But he's still young. If he loses one year, it's not going to make any difference to his talent. And so if I've got him, I have to hold him. And if I don't have him, I would be looking to buy and I would poke and prod that owner to see how much of a panic they're in. But there's a lot of differing opinions and there's, I've seen some pretty cheap trades. Yeah. I've been surprised. Some of the ones I've seen have, been, have seemed like almost full price, you know? So, so we, so depending on your league, you could see, the Watson owner holding firm and you basically are still paying QB two, three, four dynasty prices. And then others, um, what I, I've kind of said is sort of the fishing pole approach of if I am exploratory sending out offers, I would do so in the QB 10, 12, 13 sort of range. You know, what does that mean to you? What would you pay for quarterback 10 to 12, let's say in dynasty, that would be my fishing rod sort of approach to sending that out. Is there a quarterback that you have that is, you know, a starter, not under obviously some of these potentials uh, with Deshaun Watson. And if you can offer that quarterback plus something else to get Watson where you're alleviating the other owner, if they are concerned, especially if you see Deshaun Watson on the block, you know, in your league or a, uh, an announcement on the the message board or, or chat or whatever, that if he is available, you know, or, or you, this actually might be a situation where you want to just reach out and sort of ask some questions, you know, or even do some leading comments about, man, just you know, like even play dumb, you know, oh, just saw that about Deshaun Watson, you know, of late. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, and you can even say, ah, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm looking to contend this year, you know, would you be interested in selling um, and things like that, like that, this is actually a moment where just kind of gauging where they are without making an offer might be the best approach uh, because they might think, oh, you know, their values drop so much. I'm not even going to send offers, you know, and they may not be that type of owner anyway. So just by reaching out and all of a sudden you're helping, right? We always say, what problem with the other team can you solve? Well, if they think they have an albatross and a guy that's never going to play again, or a guy that, I mean, they're now we already had, was he going to get traded? Was he going to sit out? And now you've got this and all that could be added together. They might be willing to sell for QB 15, 18 prices, and you won't know unless you actually have that dialogue. So this is one, I, I'm not usually a conversationalist. I'm an action guy with sending offers and having brevity with my comments through those offers. But I think this is one environment you really want to kind of gauge and check in with the psyche of that owner. Yeah, uh, I'm in a super flex startup draft. And I didn't think that he would drop to me at 310, but he went to at the 303 QB 12. And that's a significant discount. What day was that? That was Saturday. Okay. So that was, I believe, when we had about six, right? About six uh, plaintiffs? Well... Or six or six uh, accusations? It was at the time when there were 12 more coming. Like, oh, okay. So we we already knew been, that there was that. There okay. may have only been six at the time, but there were 12 rumored to be... Okay. 
you know. So we haven't, so we haven't had significant escalations since then. So that's actually a really good data point of that. Like I was saying, QB 10, QB 14, somewhere in that zone. And again, that the risk reward and who are some of the quarterbacks to go, who are the couple before him and after them? I don't know if you have it up right there, but. Russell Wilson went at 301. Okay. So before. Uh, yeah. Uh, Trevor Lawrence at 201 and Justin Fields at 208. Okay. Bill Burrow at 112. Okay. So behind all those guys. All yep. right. Um, all right. And uh, before we get to, I had a couple, like a rapid fire thing. We've got some notable free agents out there from the past week that we have not covered, but we did have a, uh, a couple questions from uh, UTH subscribers. Wanted to make sure since we have Katie on here um, that I wanted to ask about. So this is a, some big, big deals that a, uh, a subscriber is negotiating right now. And what are your thoughts? This is Superflex and tight end premium. We've got, and they are in all these deals, they are the Cam Akers and or CD Lamb side. So this is Cam Akers, CD Lamb, and 202 for Brandon Ayuk and DK Metcalf and Gabriel Davis. It's pretty much a coin flip. I like both sides. Yeah, I mean, one thing that just one observation as we talk, I mean, Cam Akers is going to be part of these trades, but is Cam Akers getting a little too hot or do you think he's appropriately hot? He went at 205, which is pretty high. He went at 205 in this startup and, you know, Nick Chubb was 206, DeAndre Swift 304. I'd I'd still rather have Swift over Akers. So that's a great discount. J.K. Dobbins went at 307, Antonio Gibson at 311. So, yeah, that's pretty pricey in this particular startup. No, he's going that high in trading. I mean, he's getting way up there. And again, I'm like like head of the fan club, and I'm like, it's getting hot in here. Let's pop some collars because this is, I mean, I, I understand he had, what, two or three nice games to close the year, but... I mean, he did not do it for much of a cross section at all. Let's let's think back to October and his aggregate, you know, sort of where he finished in points per game on the year. I mean, it is not a locks, you know, a lock uh, that that he's going to be a running back one in the future. Like you know, it's pointing to with guys like Swift and Gibson and Taylor, obviously. Edward Talaire, they were all massively more successful and more productive in their rookie year, which is a, a big positive indicator for the future. And I just think people assume that it's just like a guarantee that KM Akers is going to be, you know, like a top eight to 10 producer this year. They just, th- th- that, that is, there's no other option. So that, that's yeah. what worries me. Yeah, exactly. That I he's mean, valued that way. The only thing that I would, want in a trade if i'm trading acres and lamb in the 202 rather than iuk uh with rather than iuk and gabriel davis with metcalf try to get deandre swift or jk dobbins or uh antonio gibson or even james robinson somebody somebody in that so that you get a running back in return yeah, because Gabriel Davis to me doesn't move the needle. Emmanuel Sanders signing doesn't help him. Stefan Diggs is there. So I'm I'm a seller, not a buyer on Gabriel Davis. So I yeah. would say at minimum on this one, you want to take out 202. Like that's a meaningful super flex and tight end premium pick. Oh yeah. Like so I mean, we were just talking about what 202 could mean. That could mean Mac Jones. That could mean, I mean, <laughs> you might be able to trade down from there and get Rondell Jones, uh, Rondell Moore. So, I mean, just just know it, it is pretty deep there. And if you're taking out five quarterbacks from 202, I mean, you're getting way up there. You're getting a round one, uh, round one wide receiver. You're getting one of the top two or three running backs. Kyle Pitts mixed in there. I mean, so 202, please do not minimum take out take out 202 and maybe flip Davis to something else is what I would say. Right. Yeah. Um, one other one we've got here for, uh, for again, they're negotiating and let's see. Yeah. So this other one was CD lamb and then the one Oh two for DK Metcalf and Brandon Ayuk. So if per se you have Ayuk and lamb pretty close, is it, Oh, is it, um, is it appropriate to give up one Oh two for Metcalf in Superflex? I wouldn't. Okay. Stay flexible. Yeah. Uh, I think that 
I think that whenever you have your rookie draft, you can trade that pick for so much more when somebody sees either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. And right now I've seen as many times as the 102 for Justin Fields, I've seen as many Zach Wilson in all the mock drafts that I've done. Yeah. And it's, but after the NFL draft, somebody's going to have a better landing spot or a better perceived situation, or they went higher or pick your poison, whatever. And 102, Super you're flex. in that, in, in 102, you're in that bird dog seat for that round one running back. If you get it, you know, you get that really nice landing spot. Um, obviously, you can take a wide receiver. You just have super flexibility. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I'm so, I'm not going to say opposed, but it's so foreign to me to, to either outright trade picks away or trade back this time of year. I'm inching my way up the past two, three months. I'm not like, oh, this isn't the time to trade from two to five and then trade from five to eight. And like, you're picking up these other ancillary things or you're trading 102 away outright. Like just that's so against my dynasty trade calendar DNA uh, this time of year. So inch your way up. And again, when 102, 102 is not going to be less valuable in early May, whenever your draft is. So just keep that in mind. And then we had one other one. We had uh, Cam Akers and 206 for Amari Cooper and 109. And it's in that same tight no, end. No, it's a different flex. one. And they didn't say if it's super flex or one quarterback. So specify. I'm I'm been, I'm guessing super flex, you'll say I'm good with it. And not super flex, you're not. Yeah, I I would say because in super flex, that 109 is going to be a very good positional player. Yeah. And in in start one quarterback. While there's still going to be some talent there, it's just not going to be as gravy. Yeah, I agree with you. I I, I do think Amari Cooper is a buy, and and Cam Newton. I, I'm not saying a sell. I call Cam Newton as uh, Cam Newton's <laughs> two in a row. Cam Akers an exploratory player, which means out of eleven other league mates, there is a decent likelihood that one, two, three of them have him as high as you right now with his valuation or higher. So, you know, we, we always say we're, we're developing our running backs. We're, we're creating this stable. And if you were able to get, you know, a couple of the top four or five guys last year, and you already had a couple building blocks and I'm not going to say cam new uh, cam Akers is excessive, but let's just say he is, he blends in or, you know, you got three, four strong guys or projected strong guys and you're light at wide receiver. I have this exact scenario that Cam Akers can be that guy that you can mitigate a little bit of risk. He has not done it. He may do it. He may light the world. I am bullish with Stafford being on the Rams and them having a bounce back year offensively to levels that maybe we haven't seen. I'm open to all of that. But let's see. Is Cam Akers really going to get the receiving involvement you need? Is he going to be a guy that you're hoping for a touchdown or two because otherwise he's getting like one catch. I think he's fully capable of way more than that, but let's not make assumptions because we have not seen it at all. But if you want to pivot from running back to wide receiver, Cam Akers can get you high in getting a superstar in their prime wide receiver that really moves the needle for you in your lineup and kind of rebalances your, your roster. So just keep that in mind, whereas you might have two or three other running backs that either you don't want to with their profile or they just can't get you high enough in the hierarchy of wide receivers that you think it's beneficial to make that move uh, before the draft. Yeah, because right now he's in that range of A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, uh, rookie 102. He's high. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's. You have a lot, of op- a lot of options and a lot of liquidity. And again, he is he is he is the pretty girl at the dance. I mean, you have options, and other teams will be interested, guaranteed. Uh, just because you haven't received an offer yet does not mean that that people aren't interested or wouldn't be interested in your forays into the marketplace. All right, we had of late the last week. We're still waiting on some of the bigger names, uh, but largely, I would call NFL free agency over. 
you know, we've got some running backs out there, but the other skill positions are basically set. I thought my, uh, let's start with a little rapid fire here. Mike Davis to Atlanta. That was a wide open depth chart. We'll see, you know, is he actually on the team for the two year deal or is it more of a one year construction, but Mike Davis right now, leader in the clubhouse. We'll see if they add something else at the position, but we saw Mike Davis. I, I thought he kind of got, uh, you know, got gassed a little bit, got tired out. He had a monster workload from out of the ether. Basically, he hasn't had that workload in the NFL at all, filling in for Christian McCaffrey last year. But he was one of those uh, hidden gems, you know, that was free in August. And all of a sudden, we started him quite a bit in season. What are your thoughts on Mike Davis in Atlanta of, you know, if they bring somebody in, he's the backup, you know, or a committee member, or maybe this is their cheaper plan and he is going to be the 1A. Yeah, uh, I think that he's capable as a stopgap for them for that one or two year situation. He's 28 years old. I don't know that you're going to get a whole lot for him if you try to trade, but if somebody's going to offer you a first, I, I'd take that. Even, they may draft a running back, which outside of the top three, the rest are pretty much role players. And Davis would be maybe the week one starter anyway, or there, it would transition as the season progresses. You might still have a September starter. Right. Um, yeah. The one offer I heard from a subscriber today or yesterday or just post Mike Davis signing was a 22 second, which it's from a contender. So that's like later in the round. And I was like, you know, I think you got to hold on for that because yes. at worst, he's going to be one of the valuable. We've already seen it play out injury away running backs. Even if they bring in someone notable, free agency still, or one of the top running backs in the class, one injury, one misstep, and you're right back to Mike Davis starting. I think you got to go second to first with him. I think you, if you want to move up in your rookie draft this year and tear jump and and get a meaningful player that you've used you know, decently better than wherever you were before, those are the types of trades I would make. I wouldn't do one that's like, oh, it's a strong team and it's a 22 second. I think you got to aim higher. Well, the other, the other suggestion, if your leagues do allow you to trade two years out, try to trade them for a 2023 first. Right. Even if you've got to give us, as you mentioned, a second or something else to do it. 2023's running back class is insane. 2022 has a couple top heavy and then, pending this college season and who, who rises, there's at least three or four other guys that could be very viable running backs, but you never know what's going to happen. So try to get that 23 first, if you can, however, you've got to add to Mike Davis to do it. Yep. I love what you said there. And don't let, don't let uh, yourself gloss over that, but add to it to get what you want don't back off and all of a sudden you're taking a discount off of what your return is. Uh, but I would try I would try first for the 23 first straight up because a lot yeah. of people discount two years away, even though they shouldn't. And unless they've been following Debbie, they may not even be aware that the 23 class is stronger than the 22 class overall. And you may you may be able to get that two-year discount. Uh, Kenyon Drake going to the Raiders. I know it seems like a while ago, but it was actually after recording last week. Uh, Two-year deal, decent money. And uh, what are your thoughts, Katie? Is the hand ringing and Josh Jacobs is done over? He'll never be a running back one again. This is bad news. What you know? Are you are you buying into that a little bit? Do you think this is going to be some massive, confusing, and non-fantasy viable committee, um, or is he going to just kind of play a different role and? You know, now they have a functional second running back when they lost Booker and you say, what else did they have on that depth chart at present? I'm more concerned that they traded away all their offensive linemen, to tell you the truth. I don't think that Kenyon Drake is going to be more than just a, a 1B type of guy, uh, different role. And I think Las Vegas wants to be able to have an offense where they can just get you in any, whether it's their tight end wide receiver, running back. They just want to put up the points. We'll see what they do with the offensive line in the draft, but no, I'm not that concerned. I think Josh Jacobs is still a RB1. I just got him in the startup at RB20 in, yeah. at the 5'10". 
Yeah. So I he's, mean, he's fallen a lot. A lot of people are not as optimistic as I am. And I just a couple of weeks ago, I was in a different Superflex startup and I got him in uh, at 311. And here, just two weeks later, two full rounds drop. Yep. Yeah, and he was already one that didn't have a lot of cachet. Like he wasn't a sexy name, uh, just because he hasn't hit some massive peak yet. Um, but he's he's grinding out production and grinding out at, with first round pedigree. Two more years on his rookie deal, and obviously they have fra- they have a fifth year option with that first round pedigree with the Raiders. Um, and I think Kenyon Drake is going to be one of those. I mean, talk about a high upside backup with a proven track record. Um, so he's one of those guys that. If he starts dropping to a point where maybe you get to a point in the rookie draft where you're looking to trade down, picking up someone like Kenyon Drake, especially if you're moving down somewhere in round two, round two to round three, whatever the sweet spot is that you're kind of looking and and there's a lot of sameness. Kenyon Drake would be the type of name I'd be looking for because it's very likely. I mean, that, that them adding notably to the depth chart would be a shocker from this point towards week one. And again, a Jacobs injury and Kenyon Drake is one of the hotter names that all of a sudden picked up a, a, a lead job. And now he's going into, even if you love Drake, he's going into an ambiguous situation on what the split would be, even if you're optimistic. So now he's moving from potential starter. Does he go back to Arizona, pick up another job, but here he goes behind a first rounder or even side by side. So he's going to be that type that you can just buy the profile. And especially if he gets to like third round rookie pick valuation, that's where I think you really got to um, be cognizant and make sure you add him on to a bigger deal when you can. Um, all right. Uh, we've got Kenny Galladay to the Giants, Katie. What are, what are your overall thoughts for, for Galladay and, and Danny Dimes, you know, that now building around him, are they going to have much excuse because they're, they're certainly adding weapons this offseason in a critical year for Daniel Jones? Yeah, this is a put up or shut up year for Daniel Jones and, We'll see. He's he's a pretty good deep ball passer, and I like I like that move as far as for the Giants. And I think Kenny Galladay has the opportunity to still be the wide receiver one for his team. Yeah, the one thing I have a concern with is there's a lot of competition for targets, and, and I wonder with Galladay, is he really going to get enough? to really have the ceiling that some people think. I think between Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, who is not what he was. I know a lot of people projected him to become, you know, the wide receiver one for multi-years. I mean, that's very rare coming from day three, like he was. And, you know, they lost Golden Tate, but they, they've got, they added Kyle Rudolph. It looks like that trade's actually going to end up going through. I know there was some, some injury question about that, if it was going to get negated, but you've got Evan Ingram as well. So just, I don't know if 125 plus 130 plus targets is really going to be in the cards for, for Kenny Galladay. So I, I strike this as like a better NFL move than it's going to be a fantasy one. Um, and, and I've seen some people trying to bail on Galladay, but what I would say is, be really stringent uh, about your price point because I'm not going to say don't take the bait, but I, I think he's going to end up being better depth for your team than somebody who's actually moving the needle much. And at his age, he's not going up in value. So now with this contract, if, if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, changing quarterback, maybe in the off season. So, and Galladay now locked into this situation. So I, I don't know if he's actually going to have a, a year better than he's had in the past going forward. And we know age-wise market is not going to be his friend over the next 12 to 24 months. So just know all of those factors before you buy in. Uh, And Juju Smith-Schuster back with the Steelers. And one thing we didn't mention early in the show is Chase Claypool. And I think you actually told me, Katie. I mean, so Chase Claypool now getting in trouble, kicking someone in the face, uh, you know, and again, just generally, (laughs) you know, not being a good soldier, um, after hours, off season, that's always the time that we hold our breath the most with players. And uh, so with Chase Claypool, I mean, could a subs- suspension, could, I mean, there's some ambiguity with what's going to happen with him going forward, but Juju Schmidt-Schuster, a down couple years, but back with the Steelers and, you know, not great because he could have landed a potential number one role. And now they've got that three-headed committee and we'll see about Claypool. Yeah, I mean, Juju hasn't been putting up the numbers that he had in the past. So I don't know exactly what to expect. Ben is certainly uh, losing it 
it'll be interesting to see if, if he take, you know, some time off to get that shoulder better, but he's, he did not look good towards the end of the season. So I, I don't know. I, I, it was a head scratcher because Kansas city wanted him and somebody, there were like two other teams that wanted him and he took less to stay with the Steelers. That's just bizarre. Yeah. It, it's very quizzical. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it seems like the, the top has come off, whatever the ceiling is, you know, that we're kind of finding out. I think Jordan mentioned a month or two ago, you know, the NFL is going to tell us, you know, what we, what they think of Juju Schuster and he had options, but he really didn't have like that big, frankly, Kenny Galladay type deal of saying, come be our wide receiver one. And, you know, ancillary number two, number three, and frankly, his best seasons, it was him and it was Antonio Brown, Batman and Robin, you know, doing their thing. And he was producing because the whole offense was funneling through those two guys. So is he probably going to settle in and be a high floor guy, you know, and, and low ceiling guy, wide receiver, you know, 20 to 40. And how much does that matter? You know, he's still young enough. Could he parlay this into a deal next year? I mean, it, it seems, you know, when the cap goes up, we'll, we'll see. Um, but, but I think if you have him, he's going to, he's offer functional depth is what I would say. And I wouldn't be looking to sell right now because what if Claypool is suspended? What if someone Deontay Johnson, Claypool, if one of them misses time, it really helps the other two. So, you know, three going into two and consolidating in season. So just keep that in mind. It might look stacked and it's like, ah, you know, not a big ceiling for anybody, but, uh, but when you get in season and if one guy misses, so just keep that in mind. Um, and then the other one I want to ask you about, Katie, is is Jared Cook to the to the Chargers. So Hunter Henry out. Jared Cook, he's been finding quality landing spots over the years, just in general. He's in his mid-30s. Um, but to me, he's one of the sneaky stopgap uh bridge guys. And he has been I was really just gonna say yeah, that for, for two, three years now, he's been that. But landing with the Chargers with a, a quality quarterback, no Hunter Henry. Cook can walk into the lead role and potentially get 90 plus targets. This is a big boon where he actually stretches the seam, offers big playability. And if it wasn't for, it was largely with touchdowns with the saints. He didn't get a ton of targets. I think he could actually get more targets this year with the chargers. I agree. And I was just going to say that he's a perfect bridge quarter uh, tight end. And he's not, he won't cost much because of his age. Yeah, I would think he'd be what third round. I mean, I, I think in your stock league, he's going to be the perfect type that you might only have to move down a few spots in your rookie draft and potentially pick up someone like Jared Cook. Like especially once I get outside the top eighteen or so, and if I don't have clear, you know, clarity of target players, then those are the types of players I like to pick up. Like if I'm if I have one tight end or two tight ends, but I'm not excited. You know, we get to May and we don't, you know, don't feel great about a, a big ceiling from any of them. Then hey, you, you trade down from 206 to 210 and pick up Jared Cook. You know, and it might sound strange, but I don't think wherever Cook is on your on your dynasty uh, league roster, he's probably not your you know their their tight end one. They probably have somebody else. So if if an ancillary tight end someone comes knocking, they should be listening from a roster construction standpoint. And what I always say, I mean, you say it as well. I mean, if you don't have one of the top tight ends, just go basement shopping. Go, who's who's the best guy I can get for the cheapest? And just get a poker chip, go into week one, go into the first two, three seasons. Let's see how that Chargers offense looks with Jared Cook. And if it doesn't work out, you're going to have looks at the waiver wire. There's going to be some starter at tight end on your waiver wire. So you, you can always just pivot. And, and another one would be Jared, Jared Everett going to, to Seattle. You know, you, you can take these shots and just say, let's see what we have early in the season. And if you, if you whiff, you're not going to lose much ground. And you can end up maybe trying to find the next Dalton Schultz this year of a guy that you can plug and play and just keep your head over water. Uh, final thoughts, Katie, uh, as we close up. And, and frankly, this is probably the last time we're going to talk this in depth about NFL free agency because there's only two or three other notable running backs out there that are really going to move the needle about a future depth chart. Yeah, uh, we're a little over a month away from the NFL draft. Just the hype train is going to go up so quickly and down so quickly. The best thing to do is don't panic one way or the other. Uh, that's all I can say is just don't panic. Ride the wave. If you need to check with one of us, we're both available on Twitter. 
with for questions. So just stay even keel. Yeah. And, and, and what I always say in addressing trades is know who, who the best player or asset is in the deal. And it not isn't necessarily who you think it is. It could be you have to kind of have a sense of who the market is. I mentioned it might be Cam Akers. Now, whether that it's him for you or not, just keep in mind that who has the sizzle right now. And again, high moving up in the rookie draft, uh, the higher pick is the sizzle. You know, the 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 risers, the potential breakouts, the the fantasy articles in March and April and May, you're gonna start seeing about redraft time of year best ball drafts going on dynasty startups. Katie shared some of those data points earlier in the show that those guys that are going significantly higher than they were a couple months ago or in October, those are the hot names. Those are the ones that frankly, if they're coming after your roster for those types of players, you gotta pay the tax. You gotta pay the tariff to, to get on that boat. So just keep that in mind that you need to be aggressive and you need to be compensated for relinquishing and and releasing your hand from said asset. So so no, and, and I this is the time perfect time of year for discounts to go after those those 27, 28 year old wide receivers with the track record like Mike Evans, et cetera. Josh Jacobs, you know, is not a trendy, sexy name this time of year. So this is where you can really accumulate a quality, you know, increase your core from six players to eight players from eight to 10, you know, on your, your, your tier one zone of your roster. So just keep all those things in mind that, and, and generally again, inch your way up the rookie board. You know, this isn't a time to completely bail on one Oh one or one Oh two. The market hasn't, the wave hasn't crested yet. Wait till the NFL draft. Wait till for, for three straight days. What do we see? We see guys in uniforms entering the NFL. We're all excited. Everyone's going to be an all pro player. And we're going to get to your rookie draft. And all those high picks are going to be attached to those future <laughs> asterisk Hall of Famers. So uh, that is really when the biggest leverage point is. All right. Uh, so if you want to support the show, we've got patreon.com slash UTH. Tim Torch is on there weekly. We've got a bunch of uh, bonus content. And again, instead of advertising, throw a few bucks a month, uh, UTH way and, uh, keep this ship rolling along and Katie flowers on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar three I am at Chad Parsons NFL. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those guys.